This is episode 13 of the Online Course Guy podcast. I am Jacques Hopkins, the Online Course Guy, and this is the show where we show you how to turn your hobby or passion into a profitable online course. I was able to do just that with the piano, and now, after being an engineer for eight years, I'm proud to say I support my family with the income from my online piano course. I am not joined today by my normal co-host, Nate Dotson, who is hard at work on his own online course. Well, he's actually on vacation this week, so I guess he's not hard at work at this very moment on his own online course, but I do have the first guest on the online course course guy podcast and that is the one and only dean dwyer dean and i go back uh, several years he has had successful podcasts successful online courses and uh, we've talked several times throughout the years he's really you know he's, he's really coached me on on with my online course on several different occasions over the past years and when i was thinking about having a guest on this show. He's really the first person that came to mind. He's always got a lot of really cool information to share. And I was so excited to, to have him, uh, to have him on and have him agree to be on. And he, um, he, he came with, he came prepared with some, some very good information. He's sharing with us in this episode. He's calling it the 10 questions to ask yourself when starting a new online course. And like I said, Dean has created several online courses and these 10 questions do apply to more than just online courses. They apply to just, you know, your next venture, your next online venture. So go through these questions as Dean mentions them and think about whatever position you're in. What if, if you're just starting out, then that's a great time to ask these questions to yourself or even if you've got something you're already working on. I, I found these questions very beneficial to think about in my business as well, even though I've been working on it for several years. And so just uh, really try to apply this information. There's a lot, a lot of good stuff in this episode. And uh, so we'll uh, we'll jump in right, at, right now. We'll jump into the conversation with the one and only Dean Dwyer. Hey Dean, how's it going up in Canada? Canada is good, Jock. Canada's good. It's uh, it was summertime, so the weather is nice. Um, yeah, I cannot complain, my friend. I can't complain. Where where are you now? So I'm in I'm in Louisiana. Uh, okay. I know you you get that confused every time I talk, but I know you don't know much <laughs> about the United States. I know the basic hot spots, but yeah. Yeah, so we're we're really 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 down south because we're in a very southern state, and we're in the in the southern part of the southern state. In fact. One of the lowest um, horizontal interstates in the United States. It's called I-10, and it goes from Los Angeles all the way to like Jacksonville. I want to say my wife has a rule that will never live north of I-10. <laughs> I like that. I like that. By the way, I just made a note for myself. I am going to look and see where where Louisiana <laughs> is on the map afterwards. I'm going to know the next time we chat. <laughs> well, you know, we have so we have a lot of ancestry down here from. Canada, because there's a lot of, um, I mean, a very French, you know, like Cajun French, you know, the Acadian people. Yeah, and yeah. I know it's not specifically from Toronto where you live, but, um, you know, the whole Quebec, you know, French culture thing. Uh, we, we share a little bit of similarities, maybe, maybe a touch. Yeah, well, actually, I grew up about four hours north of Toronto in a town called Sudbury, and there's a lot of French speaking people there. In fact, I'm always uh, amazed when I go back. Because you don't hear much. I, I mean, Toronto is very multicultural, but you don't hear. Uh, there's not much for French. I don't hear very often. Uh, but I, it's amazing how how many French people there are in Sudbury. It, it is. Uh, it's very bilingual up there, and 
there are pockets throughout the uh, throughout the country where yeah our, that is our second language apparently yeah well th- welcome to the the online course guy podcast this is the new podcast i started a few uh months ago and like i told you before uh you're the first guest and i'm i'm super pumped about it when i first started it i was like you know thinking about guests down the road and i was like i gotta have dean on for sure a lot of pressure my friend i feel in the pressure no thank you very much it's uh i mean um you know i was just saying off air we uh uh, we connected when I had my podcast. Uh, I absolutely loved your story. Then I still love your story. Like it's still, there's about three or four people that I've met because I had my podcast who've got these stories that just have lessons that, um, I always come back to. I just, uh, it's, it just, and yours is one of them. It's just one of those ones. I always sort of come back to what you've done and, and the sort of the principles behind it. And so anyway, it's, it's a pleasure. It's truly, it's always great to catch up. Anyway, I always enjoy ch- chatting with you. Yeah. It's been a little bit since we talked and I know you, you've got a lot of, uh, a lot of interesting things to share about online courses. You've, you've created your fair share of online courses and, uh, and it, it's kind of funny how we first connected. And I, and I don't know if I've ever told you about this specifically, but several years ago, I, uh, I was following a lot of like paleo type people on Twitter and whatnot. And, you know, Ben Greenfield, Mark Sisson, um, and then, you know, people like Tim Ferriss and things like that. And I saw somebody retweet where you had interviewed Tim Ferriss. And I was like, oh, oh. this guy, this guy must be huge. <laughs> he must be incredible. Not that you're not. And, uh, <laughs> so I started following you at that point and I added you to my Twitter feed and I started listening to your podcast at the time you had your makeshift happen podcast, yes. right? <laughs> it's a clean show. So I'm going to try to enunciate the FT there. And, uh, and you had just started your lifestyle hacking podcast, I want to say. Yeah. And so, um, I started listening and I was just fascinated by it. And I was right at the beginning of this whole online entrepreneur thing. And I had a question that I thought you'd be great to, to answer. And so I just emailed you. I found your email address. I emailed you. You responded within like 20 minutes with a great answer. Look at me. And yeah, look at you. <laughs> and and you answered it on your next podcast episode as well. And you're like, hey, do you want to get on Skype and talk about it? And I was like, okay. And so I couldn't believe that you were that, you know, willing to be that helpful. Like you, I didn't have to pay you anything. You just wanted to chat and you like helped me for an hour. And since then, you've, you know, we've chatted four or five times and it's mostly just you like giving me advice. <laughs> well, I think now you can start giving me advice because your course is doing really, really well. So, uh, uh, yeah, you know what, actually that's, I love, um, I love hearing the backstory of how things happen. That's great. I didn't, I didn't know that actually. And, uh, you know, one of the benefits of having a podcast, well, actually, and this goes for courses too. When you start putting something out that uh, that you truly believe has value, it begins to attract the kind of people you're looking to attract. And um, so the Tim Ferriss thing, the Tim Ferriss thing, actually, there's a kind of a funny story behind that. So I started my blog, or I started the podcast and subscribed to Tim's stuff. And then when his four-hour chef was coming out, uh, one of the emails was, um, listen, uh, Tim wants to do a bunch of uh uh, podcast interviews. So, you know, if you've got a podcast and you're interested, uh, just fill out this form. And I'm like, Tim's got an email list of like 500,000 people at least. And, you know, a gazillion of those people have podcasts. I thought, well, I'll just fill out the thing. So I fill it out. And then I don't know how long, wait, a certain amount of time passed. And I get this email that's, I forget exactly what the tagline was or the subject line, but I thought it was spam. I thought, somebody is using Tim Ferriss as spam email. 
And I was almost, I almost deleted it without reading it, but I thought, you know, it, it was an unusual. And anyway, it was just saying, Hey, yeah, listen, Tim will do your podcast. I was like, Holy cow. I still have that. Actually, I still have the video of that podcast. That was, uh, it was a good podcast. I got a chance to ask him some things that I really, really liked, but yeah, it's, uh, um, it certainly changes perception with people. I used to, every time I approached somebody after that, I always dropped Tim Ferriss's name. You have to. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I was like, I was that guy dropping the names. I'm like, well, you know, I have interviewed Tim Ferriss. It wasn't quite that bad, but. Well, hey, I, I, I tell people, hey, I've been interviewed by somebody that's interviewed Tim Ferriss. <laughs> It's like six degrees, six <laughs> degrees of Tim Ferriss. I love it. Yeah. So you actually interviewed me on your podcast, Makeshift Happen, years ago. And looking back, I mean, at the time, I was still working my full-time job. I was only selling like a couple of copies of my course a month. I didn't know what I was doing. Not that I really know what I'm doing today, but um, I, I'm still not sure why you wanted to have me on my on your podcast back then. I... um um. I was what I alluded to earlier. You know, the great thing about when you you start doing stuff that you are you think has, is really valuable, it just it attracts remarkable people. And I loved your story. Like I thought, um, it 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 allows you to to attract stories that maybe people haven't heard of before. And so that was one of the reasons I followed up with you right away after you emailed me. Was like, man, this sounds like an amazing story. And I love. For me personally, I love getting people's stories, especially when they're original stories. Like everybody, um, a great example would be someone like Gary Vaynerchuk. Gary Vaynerchuk is on a million podcasts. So like whenever he's got a new book out and he wants to, you know, he does the podcast circuit. Not that I, I don't have my podcast going right now, but uh, I thought I wouldn't, I wouldn't interview him because he's everywhere and everyone knows his story and there's not really a lot new. But your story, I was like, man, that's a good story. And there are so many elements to that, like the accelerated learning. Uh, there was just so many fascinating things about it. I was, I, I, it's, it's only probably happened about four or five times where I'm like, I gotta, I gotta connect with this person and find out more. And it did not disappoint. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, so, what, what does your online course resume look like, Dean? I know you've, you've created a few different things. Is that right? Yeah, you know, uh, it's funny. I, I've gone through. Um, so I've been offline now for, oh, I don't know, it's a little over a year anyway, maybe, maybe, maybe 18 months where I kind of, um, uh, I got to a point where I was kind of all over the place, not having, you know, you mentioned earlier about having no idea what I was doing and we, maybe we can, um, there's some things that I'm going to talk about later that I think will address sort of the, the problems that I got into initially. Um, but, um, I only have one course that's available right now. It's uh, my willpower course. Uh, but everything else is uh, I, I've sort of taken down because it was sort of either either I didn't like what I created or I was in a space that I didn't want to be in. I, you mentioned earlier about the whole paleo thing. I was in the paleo space. That's that's how I got known. That was initially what sort of allowed me to build an audience. Um, and that was great for about a year or so. And then I realized that I, that wasn't really the center of, I didn't want to be talking about that for the rest of my life. And so I had created some content and some courses around that, that, uh, I thought, nah, you know what? I, I want to try and transition out of this. And for me, it, and it's not necessarily the smartest way to go, but I always kind of, I kind of, I'm all in or I'm all out. So when I decide that this isn't where I want to go, I sort of take, I took everything down. I, I took, I deleted my blog. I took my course down. I took my, my book is no longer available. Like it's, it's a little hardcore, a little extreme. 
Yeah, well, I wouldn't expect anything less than than you from you, Dean, <laughs> as being extreme. Yeah, yeah. It, there are pros and cons, probably more cons than pros, but uh, uh, it's actually one of the things that I am learning uh, behavior that I am I'm looking at training myself out of is that I've always been attracted to extremes, uh, but the, the reality with extreme solutions, they're not sustainable long term, and. Um, so yeah. Anyway, there's a whole there's a whole other context to that, but that's not the that's not the that's not the purpose of this call. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I know that you've created multiple podcasts, websites, online courses specifically, and I think you have some uh, hopefully special content to share with us on this call today. So what what is it that you want to go over today? Well, you know, so I mentioned earlier about um, one of the mistakes that I made early on. Uh, was I, I kind of painted myself. So my, my first blog that I created was called being primal, which, um, the way at, at the time I was, I, I had discovered paleo and I had had tremendous success sort of transforming how I looked. And so I thought, you know what, I've got a story to tell, but I'm not, you know, I'm not a nutritionist. Uh, I'm not a chef. I'm not a, you know, an exercise physiologist. So I, there were all kinds of people that were, uh, really big in, in, in that space in those different areas. And I thought, how do I compete with everybody else? And uh, I, what I kind of realized that I had an angle that nobody else had was that the mindset was sort of, I had really done a lot of work and continue to do a lot of work on how I think about things. So that was the whole being primal part. The, the downside of that, when I thought, oh, this is it, I found my calling. And that lasted about a year. And then I realized that I was actually far more interested in the kind of conversation you and I had, which was I'm interested in how people design a life that they love. Like that was the kind of, I always have always been fascinated with that. But being primal didn't leave me any, like that brand didn't, I had no wiggle room with that. I could only go in one direction. And uh, so that was, so that was sort of one of the the mistakes that I made. So uh, sort of flash forward ahead, you know, a number of years. Um, as I look, I've got my next idea. I, I, I'm still just working out a few bugs in terms of, uh, of what I'm going to launch next. But uh, I thought, like, what are what are my ten sort of core principles or ten guidelines that I would use or that I have to I have to sort of check off the boxes I need to check off in order to jump back into a space that I that I think I can do really well in. Um, and so, yeah, so I, I, there are just these 10 questions or categories, core principles, whatever you want to call them that I designed for myself that I thought, you know, people who are looking to, you know, in your audience who are either looking to create a course, uh, write a book, uh, launch a website that it might help guide their thinking in terms of, um, not just what can I do right now, but like, where are you planning on going from this? Not just in the next few years, but sort of like with a, with a 25 year vision, like where do you see yourself going with this? And do you, do you have the flexibility with whatever you've created to kind of, to evolve as you evolve? Like one of the things you and I talked about years ago, uh, and I, I love the 21 day brand is very, um, it's kind of like Tim, the four hour, you know, like his four hour brand, right? Like he was able to do the four hour work week, the four hour body, the four hour chef, like that, has been a very powerful brand for him. He's kind of moved away from that now. But I thought, you know, you've positioned yourself if you wanted to with the 21 day brand that, you know, you, there are any, yours is really sort of accelerated learning, but also there's behavior change in there too. Like there are new ways to sort of approach 
not just piano, because there's principles within that that could apply to other areas that you could develop, you know, whether it was other instruments like, you know, guitar in 21 days, which I, I knew you were playing with, but I'm not, not sure if you decided to go down that space or not. But but there are lots of like you have a brand strategy there that you could build out, gives you tremendous flexibility as you grow over the years. So, you know, it, it, my kind of things are, are sort of, I didn't, I didn't have that kind of branding set up when I started. That's really cool. And I'm, I'm going to be a little selfish as you go through these things and think about how they apply to where I am with things, because I've been working on piano in 21 days for several years now. Um, about a year and a half ago, I was able to quit my job and focus on that. And I have been, you know, this has been my, my job quote unquote for the past a year and a half full time. Um, and, and it's going really well. It's, it's, I'm able to support my family on what, what I bring in from piano in 21 days. And it's, uh, it's incredibly fun. Um, so flexible, you know, we lived in France for three months last summer. It's, yeah. it's, it's awesome, but I can't say that I want to be doing this exactly this for the next 25 years. And, you know, you mentioned the 21 day brand. I do have guitar in 21 days and I have vocals in 21 days. Those courses exist that somebody else put together for me. I outsourced those courses and I worked with those, you know, people, a professional guitar instructor and a professional voice coach respectively. And I worked with them to put the curriculum together and then they, they're the ones on camera teaching. And I just sell those as like the premium package of my piano in 21 days course. I don't sell those individually because what I found is that since I'm not the one teaching those things and I don't really know how to do those things, I find it very hard to market those things. I'm I'm going to hit on I'm going to hit on on that point because that's important. That's actually really important. So you so if you don't mind me asking you a question, so you essentially um, you offer a package, a bundle package. Yeah. So when you when somebody signs up for my piano in 21 days course, there's three packages they can choose from. They the most basic package is just my book, my workbook, which is electronic, and it's it's basically a hundred dollars, ninety seven dollars. Um, or next would be my video course, and you get the book with that as well, and that's two ninety seven. Or you can get what I call the elite package, and with that you get um, all kind of stuff. You get um, of course the video course, the book, but you also get the guitar course, the singing course. And some other things, uh, some other bonuses, including like two live lessons with me over Skype. And what I did was I used to just have one package available and it was kind of my video course and a bunch of bonuses. And people would say, well, I just want the video course. I don't need all those bonuses. How much for that? So what I did was I, I kept the price point the same at $300 and then moved the bonuses over to my $500 package. And it's worked out really well. But that's those three things. That's all I'm selling online right now. Uh, and I like uh, I like the voice um, uh, the voice product as well because it does again like you think about it it's it's an it's an and it's is good for people to think about too so you've got your piano course um, there you know there are people who would want to learn how to play piano and also sing as well so like it's a great add on to that so it's it's not um, like a lot of time people add bonuses that. Look impressive because, you know, it's this one here is, you know, it's got a $300 value or a $1,000 value, but it doesn't really connect to what it is that they're looking to do or it pulls them even further away from what it is they're trying to do. But that one lends itself really well to what you're doing. So it's like it's 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 a logical bonus to have. It's brilliant, actually. That's a smart, really smart strategy that you're using. Thanks. And just to provide some more context as we go, as you start to go through these questions, 
what I'm getting at is like, this is what I'm doing right now. And I'm very, very comfortable and confident in the systems I have in place and all the automation that's happening. And, uh, and the fact that I'm genuinely helping people, you know, I get, I get, um, emails from people and stories from people all the time about how much I've helped them. And that's just so fulfilling as well. But like I said, I don't know that this is going to continue to be my main focus for the next 25 years, which is why I kind of started this this new venture a few months ago. Um, I call it the Online Course Guy. And so far, there's a podcast. I have a website and you know I've got people opting in and getting email addresses. And eventually, I'm going to have an online course available about how to make an online course based on your hobby. And so this is kind of, I'm kind of at the beginning stages of this. And so I'll probably be thinking about these questions that you bring up in the context of kind of this new venture. Sure. And you can, you can, uh, you can jump in and, and stop me or question me on anything. Uh, I just wrote down too. I, I, I really like, um, I was sort of going through, um, I like the, 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 the online course guy. I like that as a, a reference point, um, that, that people be, oh yeah, like the online course guy. Uh, I've got a, a friend right now, uh, Brock, a friend right now, he is a friend, um, who um, makes it sound like we're not going to be friends at some point in the future. But he uh, he's he's just taken over Ben Green. So Ben Greenfield used to be the Get Fit guy. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so Brock has taken over that podcast now. So he is now the Get Fit guy. And I started looking at, there are, uh, I wish I had my notes as I started making a list of other people who sort of dominate their space. Like, uh, do you know Russell Brunson? Oh yeah. Click funnels. Yeah. So if, if, what kind of a guy would you say, like what, what kind of guy is, is, is Russell? Well, he's, he's a non-techie, super crazy, awesome marketer leader guy. Yeah, like I, I sorry, that was by the way, I, I I led you into that horribly. I set you up for failure as a teacher. That's shameful, shameful of me to do that. But like, he's the funnel guy, right? Like yeah. he is, he's all things funnels. He's the funnel guy. And I thought um, a lot of people, and this was one of the things that, uh, like, if you can't, if if people are, like people listening right now are thinking about a course or a book or whatever, if you can't be uh, the something guy or the something girl then you have you don't really know exactly what space it is it is that you're looking to dominate so uh i mean for for a while tim was the 4 hour guy and and again he built out a brand on that um i i i'm kind of drawing a blank now cuz there's other people who have um it's very clear what it is they do and people know that, right? So like I said, like the Russell Brunson uh, kind of thing, but being the online course guy, I think is really smart marketing. The reason that, sorry, and the reason that came up was um, uh, when I was doing the whole being primal thing, uh, one of the guys that found was a, was a co-founder of paleo effects. He's, he called me one day. He said, I want to do an interview with you because you're like the mindset guy. And I'm like, Oh, that's a great branding that's a great way to distinguish myself. Like if people say, you know, what do you do? Like I'm the, on, I'm the online course guy, right? Like that, that, that really helps people. It helps you because it's like, okay, I'm going to start building out my brand, um, you know, teaching other people how to do the online courses. And yeah, I, it's really, really smart. Anyway, that was uh, sort of a, a slight tangent. Uh, but the other thing I was also going to say too, Jacques, your journey is very, um, like for people listening right now, um, nobody creates a single course or writes a book and then that's the space they dominate for the you know for the rest of their lives usually what happens is people create a course or they write a book um tim tim did this so after tim had all his success with uh, the four-hour work week he then started teaching a course which he charged like 10 grand for 
uh, to teach people how to write their own bestsellers, like all the marketing and everything you did. And, um, and so there's a, there's this natural evolution that happens, um, as you begin. So where you start is not where you're going to end. And, and I think that's important to remember so that you give yourself some leeway to move. Like, you know, you may start with, um, I don't know, you may start with a course on anxiety, but you know, you don't want to be talking about anxiety for the rest of your life necessarily. I would imagine that would cause a lot of anxiety causing, you know, talking about anxiety. But so you want to give yourself the idea like, yeah, I created a course on this and now maybe I will create a course or a podcast or whatever. But I think that this, you are sort of at the natural, you're doing what everybody does. Again, Tim Ferriss is another great example. Look where he's gone now. Like he, he went from writing books to the podcast. The podcast has now led to a TV show. And that's, I think that's a great way to, for people to begin kind of looking at that, that there's a bigger picture with this. Okay. So I went off on this. Yeah. But, but at the same time, Dean, let me ask you this, because there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of data and, and research to show that maybe it is better to focus on just one thing. When you talk about the whole 10,000 hours to be an expert, and then let's talk about, okay, the one thing by Gary Keller, right? He's advocating one thing. You're saying, don't just stick with one thing. You got to keep up-leveling this stuff. So how do you reconcile that? I, uh, yeah, no, that's a, actually, that's a really great question. And it, I, I am a big believe I, I read Gary's book. I really love that concept. Um, the online course guy is only one thing, but it has, there are many branches that it can, that it can like, again, if you, uh, I'll go back to the, for the Russell Brunson example. Uh, and again, people who don't know Russell Brunson is clickfunnels.com, but he has, so he's the funnels guy, but he has got a product suite that continues to, to evolve that, that supports this idea of funnels. And so the one thing doesn't have to be this one really small thing. Again, like I think the online course guy gives you tremendous flexibility. You could build out a product suite of four or five different products that support just that idea. But that's not to say that as you begin to do that, that, um, you know, opportunities will come along where maybe your one thing changes or it evolves or it expands or it gets you know, more clarified. I, I, I think that's the beauty of this journey too, is that, you know, you start in one place, but where, again, like Tim Ferriss, if you had asked him when he started the four hour work week, that, that Vince Vaughn would come to him and say, listen, I want, I want to produce a TV show with you where you're interviewing David Blaine and whoever else, I can't remember everybody else he interviewed, but, but I mean, like you just, you don't know where it's going to go, but I, you know, I, you're, you're one thing I think can change is sort of a, um, uh, but I do, I am a big believer in that idea. Like there should be a one thing, but that thing can have, you know, multiple, uh, branches that, that feed off of it. Good. Excellent. Should we, should we jump into the first, uh, question, core principle, whatever you want to call it? Yeah. By the way, these are, uh, I had to write them down because they're still, um, uh, they're still relatively fresh, but I, I will I will tell you where um, where this initial sort of framework came from. Um, there's a great book called uh, <laughs> Great by Choice. Uh, it's it's uh, Jim Collins who wrote um, Good to Great. Uh, good to Great. I was going to say Great to Good, <laughs> <laughs> which is not which is not such a great book. <laughs> How to go from Great to Good? Um, yeah, Great by Choice was his follow up book uh, on that one, and one of the things in there that I took away was uh, I think there were seven companies that um, have been great for, I think, an ex- like 
30 plus years of their existence. And uh, all of those companies each had essentially 10 core principles that they that they followed religiously over the course of their the decades they were successful. They, they didn't deviate from those things. And uh, I really like that. And so it's sort of taken the same idea, but again, uh, 10 questions. So the first one that um, that I'm looking for, so when I'm looking to create something, the first question I have to answer is, will it provide exponential personal growth and learning? And for me, uh, when I initially, when I got in the paleo space, I, I did kind of, it did kind of meet that uh, expectation initially, but then I sort of, as I said, I got more interested in life rather than just talking about paleo and I, I my learning had kind of stopped. And so when I'm exploring something now, I always start. So my philosophy is always the same. I'm looking to solve my own problems. You had alluded to this earlier. Um, uh, for me personally, um, it's oh, oh yeah. When you alluded to it, when you were talking about the fact that the um, the guitar course, you're not the guitar guy, so you're out of your league and you can't really answer questions. And I think a lot of people make that mistake where they go into a niche or a niche. Sorry, I'm Canadian niche uh, where. Um, it's like, oh, there's there's an opportunity here for me to create a product, but it's like, yeah, but you don't, you're not passionate about that. It's just, it's just a money maker, and so it becomes very hard. You don't know who the ideal client is. You don't know how to market it um, because you're not the client. So for me, I always want to be first and foremost my greatest testimonial, and I want I want to be creating products around things that I am actually I've actually created for myself, and and through that. Uh, it allows me to continue to, you know, my personal growth and learning will, you know, will, I said will will sort of grow exponentially. So that's the first one. Um, number two, I have to put my glasses down for this. Uh, I like this one actually. Will it attract the remarkable? So for me, am I creating something that's going to attract remarkable people, remarkable experiences, and remarkable opportunities? And um, your story that we shared earlier is a great example of that, right? Because piano in 21 days is this concept of uh, accelerated learning. You were able to attract someone like Tim Ferriss. See, a lot of people will make a product. that's just like, a, eh, you know, it's, it, there's nothing, there's nothing really interesting about it. Or it's another, um, a lot of people get caught up creating stuff, that's very much the same as what everybody else is doing. You know, piano in 21 days. I mean, there's other people that, you know, try to do the accelerated learning thing, but you've got this really unique angle uh, in a way that teaches people, you know, really, really quickly how to learn the piano. It, it, it makes you really interesting. And as a result of that, it, again, like when I first met you and I, you told the story, like, man, that is fascinating. So that's the same thing for me as am I creating something that is going to attract the kind of people that I want to attract. So if, like, if I'm looking to attract someone like Tim Ferriss, for example, if he was somebody that I would want to have in my circle of people, is, is what I'm creating going to do that? Is it going to generate the kind of buzz that will attract those kinds of people? And again, opportunities and experiences. These are, uh, you're, you're off to a really good start. These are, these are fascinating so far. And I've got a, a few, few questions and comments about, about these first two items. Um, Go ahead, so will, jump in. Will it, will it attract remarkable? You know, what I, what I usually tell people when they're 
just the beginning stages of, of getting an idea together for an online course is one of the most important things, at least at the beginning, is a compelling hook. You can't just be like everybody else and teach things in a way that everybody else is teaching. What makes you different? What makes you remarkable, perhaps? And so, you know, if you want to put a guitar course together, you can't just put a guitar course together that's exactly like every other guitar course. And you and you've got to give you've got to give people a reason to want to come to you. For me, with my course, with my piano course, people come to me that want to learn the piano very, very quickly, and they want to learn more modern stuff. So um, if you want to really take a deep dive into piano, if you want to learn classical music, stuff like that, I, I'm not your guy for that. And so that that's, that's what I tell people, compelling hook. Nate, my normal co-host on this podcast, what he does is he has a course on growing and selling microgreens. And microgreens are, you know, those those little small versions of, of plants like um, micro, you have um, celery and, and radishes and they're just really small versions that are just like 60% more nutritious and people put them in smoothies and sprinkle them on salads. Well, Nate is passionate about helping people to generate their own income and not have to work their jobs and things like that. And so he pitches this as, hey, look, you just graduated high school. You don't want to go to college. Look, here's how you can make $60 an hour in your house. You can grow these things and sell them in the farmer's market. You can sell them to chefs. Um, he's not, he just doesn't, he doesn't have this generic course on farming. Like he's super specific about what he's doing and the type of person he's trying to help. That's a great, I love that. That's a great example. Yeah, I wrote down as you were saying that what the, the phrase I was looking for that I didn't say earlier was too many people are creating me too products, yes. which is just, um, and this is what I'm going to say now is counter to what most people tell you, but most people will say, well, if, um, the first thing you want to know is, you know, are there other people in the space? And if so, that's a good thing for me. I look at that as a bad thing because that means now I've got competition and we're all kind of selling the same thing, right? And so what ends up happening is my product becomes a commodity and they're simply going to buy the one that's the cheapest. Um, the other thing about, about attracting the remarkable is you have a remarkable story. Like, and I, I it's been years now since we, we've had this conversation, but wasn't there somebody that taught you um, these, these, this, this way of learning piano and, yeah. So, so somebody, somebody had, had kind of showed this to you and you took it and were using it and then, you know, realized that like, I, this people would want to know how to do this. And like, that's fascinating. And that like, you've got a remarkable story. There's nobody else on the planet that probably has a story like that, like specifically like that. And so it, it's uh yeah, I said like my reaction to you when you emailed me was like, whoa, I gotta, I gotta connect with that guy. That's really how we should be thinking about whatever it is we're going to do. So like, again, microgreens is like, I haven't even heard of that before, but so, you know, like he's, he's, he's probably got little to no competition. So he gets to, he gets to, you know, he gets to dominate a space, make a name for himself. Again, anybody who's um like, again, he can attract, chefs like there's all kinds of really cool opportunities to connect like like tim ferris would be interested in something like that like that's like like some really cool people that you know are into health that would really be fascinated with that that's a that's a that's a great example absolutely and yeah he doesn't have near as much competition in his space as i did with piano but right. either, either way you want to differentiate yourself and you know in nate's case over the past couple of months selling his course he's he's easily made five figures and he's he's crushing it 
Wow. Good for him. And you said this was something that he was already doing for himself and... Yeah. And he's got a story just like I had a story. His story is that he had Crohn's disease and he needed to get healthy himself. He started using these microgreens, seeing the benefits. He started selling them and kind of tapering off with his full-time job. And he noticed the the impact that the the health impact on these microgreens, as well as the, the financial impact for his family on selling them. And then he started teaching about it. That is so great. And, and um, this is a, I, I want to sort of preface this by saying this is a personal bias. Um, but I actually believe the best way for people to create a product is to solve your own problem and then sell that solution. And a lot of times, you know, we're doing some, again, it might be something like your story where somebody taught you this thing and you don't think much of it at the time. And then you start realizing, wow, this is really unique and you're using it and it has, um, you know, it's created tremendous value for you. The same thing with Nate, but the, the best marketing that you have is your story. And most people, because most of the advice is always about, you know, find a profitable niche and, uh, you know, ex- you know, create a product for them. You don't have a story to tell. So it, it's not obviously it's not impossible to 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 market a product like that because you can use other people's stories. But I think that you're in the best position when it's your story because you get mm-hmm. to um, Brendan Burchard always. Do you, are you familiar with Brendan Burchard? No, I don't think so. Oh, he is uh, kind of like Tony Robbins. He does, uh, he's huge. He makes about seven figures a year online. Like he's massive. Um, he starts, I, I, I've listened to him so often that I almost kind of roll my eyes now when he starts telling a story, but initially he was in a car accident and, you know, he almost died and, and it kind of turned his life around and, but he always tells that story. And even though I, I kind of roll my eyes, I'm like, because people connect, people connect when you have a story, like you've got it's your story. It's powerful. So yeah, there's a, there's amazing, amazing things happen when you look to sort of solve your own problem and sell a solution. Yeah. And I'll give just one, one more example here before I'll let you move on to number three. I was on a coaching call um, with somebody yesterday, just getting started in this stuff. And he's a musician. And I, I for whatever reason, I've seemed to have attracted a lot of musicians think, uh, wanting to put online courses together. Oh, and um, he, he plays bass guitar. And you know he didn't want to just put together a generic bass guitar course. And obviously I didn't want him to do that either. Um, But he was also scared to do any sort of musical course just because there's a lot of people out there doing it. And so we drilled down and tried to figure out, you know, what, what could he bring different to the table? What, what's different about him? And he really likes to play music in what's called odd time signatures. So not your standard, like four, four beat one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. The way he plays music is 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 completely off the wall, completely different time signatures. So he's going to work on a course focusing in on that. And we looked we looked around the internet together, and there's not much on it. And we and, but there is a little bit of a market for it. And so that's uh, that's kind of the path he's going down. That's his hook, and that's his way that he could be remarkable. That's a that's another great example. It's uh, one of the lines I now use on myself is look and see what everybody else is doing and don't do that. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, like and that again, and I know that might sound flip or, or silly, but um, if you're if yeah, if you want to you want to create a space and a name for yourself, then, yeah, look and see what everybody is doing and then look for something that no one is. That, that's again, I'm not a music guy, but that's great. Like, that's a great uh, example. I also. um I uh, wrote down, as you were saying that, this idea of selling your byproducts, that sometimes, you know, you're, um, uh, like you were talking about musicians. There's a woman, don't know her name, but she uh, she started using Facebook. She was a musician. She started using Facebook to sell her music. 
and she did really, really well. So guess what she did? She created a Facebook um, uh, marketing course for musicians, specifically targeted at mu- musicians. And she's, I, I, I think it's a seven figure business for her now, like selling that byproduct. There's another guy, uh, Mark Dawson. He uh, self-published indie author. Uh, same thing, started using Facebook to sell his books and uh, was doing really well with it. And he has now created a course around that. And so he's he's still writing his novels, but he is expanding his empire in terms of now teaching authors, uh, much like you're looking at doing now, right? So he is now teaching authors, you know, how to use Facebook and those sorts of things. So there's wonderful and amazing opportunities if we start sort of sort of scratching beneath the surface to see what's there. Cool. What's number three? Uh, I'm done. That's too much talking. I'm, I'm I, I'm I've never known you to want to stop talking. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Good point. You know me well. Um, so number three is, uh, will it be, will it be unignorable? And it's uh, tied to some of the things that we were just talking about. The phrase is actually, uh, not my phrase. I stole it shamelessly, uh, from, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard who is an actress. She was on um, Marie Forleo TV and, and she mentioned it there and I loved it. And I thought that's a great way to help me remember all of what we just talked about. Like, am I creating another Me Too product? And if I am, people are going to ignore that. You know, like how, what is it that I'm doing that makes me unignorable, right? So they they have to look, they have, they have to, you know, if I've got a Facebook ad or a Facebook post, they have to pause and they've got to check it out because it's like, oh, what is this? And so it's just a way to, again, whether it's it's naming my product, like I'm what I'm um, uh, so the I, the brand that I'm now developing, I, I what I'm my sticking point right now is the name that I'm using. Um, and I want the name to make people stop like they would they kind of go, huh? So it's and I'm just sort of playing around with 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 some word combinations. But again, it's with this idea of like, I don't, I don't want to create something. Uh, paleo is a great example. Like everybody and their uncle gets into the, and paleo is now starting to cool off, but there are hundreds and hundreds of hundreds, the, the paleo mom, the paleo dad, you know, the paleo criminal, whatever it is, like they're this, everybody's paleo something. It's like, oh my gosh, like that's, you're just noise now. Like you're, there's nothing you know, it's ignorable. What you're doing is ignorable because it's nothing new. It's you're just you're just latching onto a space that's already been, you know, dramatically overused. So what is that's not what is the phrase thing. again? Be unignorable. Be unignorable. That sounds yeah. that sounds very similar to uh, be be so good they can't ignore you, right? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. It's it's just uh, it's just a few 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 words less. <laughs> Fits well on a t-shirt. More more efficient. It's uh, yes, accelerated exactly. learning. Yeah. Again, it's it's you know it's not a coincidence that Tim you know Tim Ferriss featured you, um, you know in his in his newsletter because you have something that's unignorable. Like you know again, I mean it's not what we create is not going to attract everybody, but but it's going to attract people if it's, if it's unignorable. Number four is uh, something we alluded to earlier. Uh, focus on something that won't change over the next 25 years. And I'll tell you, I'll t- first, I'll tell you the origin of that. Uh, again, not my idea. Jeff Bezos, uh, founder of Amazon. He, I was, I don't know where it was. I was listening to an interview or somebody was doing a summary. And 
uh, oh, he was in a panel and he said like, well, you know, what do you see? What are the, the, the new evolutions coming in, you know, down the pike in the next uh, few years? And he said, you know, he said, I don't think that's the right question. He said, I think a better question to ask is what's not going to change in the next 20 years? And he said, that's what we're focusing on at Amazon. He said, what's not going to change is free delivery and faster delivery. And I was like, wow, that's brilliant. What's not going to change? So when I look at, again, a lot of people get involved in fad products that, uh, or, you know, they, they publish books and those sorts of things that have a very, very short uh, shelf life. Um, I'm, I'm overusing Tim Ferriss, but Tim's first book, The 4-Hour Workweek, is 10 years old this year, and it still sits... He sell, still sells five to 600 copies of uh, his book a day on 10 years later, like uh, because there are concepts in there that are timeless. And so what I'm looking at is, you know, what are the courses and books that I can write and create that will be continue to be relevant down the road? Uh, another great example that I always look at is, are you familiar with uh, Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends, Influence People? Oh, yes, of course. 80 years ago, he wrote that book. <laughs> 80 years ago. It is. I didn't check on Amazon. I, I check Amazon bestseller list every day because I'm always curious to see what's there. Uh, it's been in the top 20. And if you're in the top 20, you're selling, uh, I think you're selling over a thousand books a day. Wow. 80 years ago, that book was written. So, so I, when I went through, I, I bought the book and I was just going through it and I thought it's, his stuff is timeless. So all his wisdom, even though the examples might be from 80 years ago, the concept hasn't changed. And so that's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at um, what can I get involved in that's not going to change for people, um, you know, regardless of all the technology changes that come along, what's something that's just never going to change for people. So I'm actually... Um, I'm in the behavior space. I, I'm fascinated with how people change behaviors. And there's some stuff that I'm going to do with that. And I realized that that, that actually, um, that space will become even more important for people because technology now is so intrusive. Uh, I, I heard a guy the other day, really big, I won't mention his name, really big guy. Um, uh, he created this massive website back in the day and sold it and He's been, he's done some amazing things. He was talking about, um, he's got a podcast and on his podcast, he was saying he's desperately trying to get himself off technology. And I thought, wow, isn't it amazing? I don't have my cell phone handy here, but I was going to hold up my cell phone. Isn't it amazing how that device, people are trying to get away from it. Like it controls them. And so technology and its advancements actually work in my favor with the things that I'm looking to create because I realize that we're people always struggle to change their own behavior. Like we live a lifetime with problems that we can never get rid of. And so, so that will never change. So, so that's sort of where I'm, I'm talking about. Hey, Jacques, hang on one second. I, I always set these alarms for myself of things that goes off every two hours for things I have to do. So it just went off. Let me turn it off. Yeah. Well, you, you, you had uh, said you wanted to look for your cell phone, so that's good timing probably. And wait. <laughs> yeah, I use my uh, – um, so my cell phone, which is not actually a phone. It's really just a computer because I don't have a phone number attached to it. Um, but I use the alarms on there to um, 
remind me of certain things that behavior, it's actually this about behaviors that I'm changing, but those alarms go off to remind me of what it is I have to do, but I'm not doing them right now. I'll have to do them later. <laughs> well, look, I have a question, follow-up question for you on this one too. Yeah. And it's like, what level are you talking about, about things that won't change? And let me, let me explain what I'm talking about. One great thing about my piano course and that the fact that I put a course together on piano is that that is specifically a technology that hasn't changed for a long time and is not and is very likely not going to change. So these concepts about piano are going to be relevant for a very, very long time. Absolutely. Where, whereas, okay, if I put a course together on putting together an online course, we're, maybe maybe concepts may not change, like general concepts, but all, all of the technology is going to change because I'll have a module on how to set up a landing page inside of ClickFunnels that's completely completely irrelevant six months later because of technology changes. Are you talking about that level, level of detail or more broader? I'm talking broader. Uh, well, it's a bit of both. Uh, that's another uh, It's another good question. I don't like these good questions. They stump me. They make me work, Shock. I, I didn't think I was going to have to work today. <laughs> no, that's a great, actually, that's a really great question. Um, and, and again, this is a concept that uh, I can, well, I will continue to refine and, and, and think about, um, I, I think, so your piano in 21 days is a great course. That's not, I, again, I think that that's a course that's going to be timeless. It, it will 50 years from now, again, if you look at piano technology, it's not going to change. Like the keyboard is always going to be the keyboard. Uh, same thing with a computer keyboard, right? Like that, that, I think they tried to change it once and you know, it, this is what it is. And so if you develop something around the keyboard itself, um, it's, it's probably going to be timeless. So you, whether you realize that or not, when you're creating your course, you've created something that, um, will sell, you know, will continue to sell regardless of, you know, it doesn't matter when it was created, it will continue to sell. Um, but you could create, um, maybe to try and answer that question, I'll give you an example of something that I'm, I'm thinking about. Did you just yawn? Are you yawning while I'm talking? Oh my gosh. I'll take another sip of coffee I'm, here. I just kidding. I'd be yawning too if I wasn't talking. Um, well, I got I got really excited when I heard the music a minute ago, and now I'm <laughs> now I'm back on the way down. <laughs> yeah, that's my uh, Justin Timberlake. Uh, that was what he opened the Oscars with. It's great. It's a great song. That's his. I chose that specifically because it 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 yeah it really gets me going. Um, so I'm I have an I have a a product. I, I'm not ready to 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 create it yet. It'll be a book and a course. Um, that has to do with weight loss, but weight loss is a tip, by the way, that that's probably not the, the phrase that I want to use. It's not really about weight loss per se, but it's about transforming, uh, how your body looks, which is different than weight loss. Um, and uh, most people, when they go into that space, it's all the same. It's uh, do these exercises, eat these foods. And that tends to be, you know, that's very trendy, you know, like the Mediterranean diet, which was hugely popular at one point. Paleo has, you know, been popular. Um, those things kind of come and go. What I'm actually working on is, um, are the principles, the timeless principles behind, um, that people don't talk about. As an example, uh, one of the, one of the principles I would talk about in that book would be one of the, the, the most powerful concepts that you can use that, people totally dismiss as consistency. If somebody was telling me that they were struggling with their weight, the first question I would ask them is, tell me one thing that you've been doing for the last few years religiously to try and keep your weight in check. And I, for about 99% of people, won't have an answer. 
They've done things for people love 30, 60, 90 day solutions. Nobody likes a 25 year solution. But when you look at people who've had tremendous success, and I'm not just talking weight loss, uh, Stephen King writes 2000 words a day, every day, 364 days a year. He takes one day off. I'm not sure which one it is. Um, and he has been doing that for decades. But we overlook that because it's not sexy, right? We want something extreme. I want something that happens right now. So that concept of consistency, that's a timeless. Like that'll never, that'll never change. People, not, it's, not a sexy, it's not a sexy solution. But when you understand the power of consistency, uh, it changes how you begin to approach anything, whether it's weight loss, whether it's uh, – uh, course creation, whatever it happens to be, whatever, you know, there, when you, when you understand that concept, it changes the game on a fundamental level. So I don't know if I'm answering your question or not, but it's, uh, uh, I mean, you'd have to, you, you, it, it's, it's not simple, but you have to really, I said, like, I'm, I'm focusing my business on behavior change. And I know the behaviors that I'm focusing on will always be an issue for people. I think I think you've completely cleared this one up for me, and and let me see if I'm on point with what you're trying to say. So, um, if I'm if I'm teaching somebody how to how to be success how to create a successful online course, and and I want to have concepts that are going to that it won't change over the next 25 years. Well, I need to focus on things like um, tell your story um, when you're marketing. Focus on benefits, not features. Right, these these general these general things that aren't okay. When you're um, here's how to put a button and allow people to order your product. Okay, those things those little things may have to be updated with technology, but those don't need to be the core of my product. Right, the tools will always change. Right, there's right. always going to be a new tool that's going to come along that will help you accomplish something. But the core, like again, like tell your story. Like um, you know, again, it's one of those things that we don't. We dismiss our own stories, like just that concept alone, that we dismiss our stories. We don't think they're important. We don't think they're valuable. But when you understand that that's the greatest marketing tool that you have is the ability to to tell the story that you have. And again, and, you, and, and there's so many things that come with that, right? So you start with so – some people say, well, I don't have a story to tell right now. Then great. Then your starting point is, is when I – the way – my philosophy now is philosophy now is solve all my own problems, and I'm always thinking if I solve this, I'm going to sell the solution. So I am always thinking in terms of you know can this be a product? And and so I start either taking before and after pictures. I start recording. Um, uh, I take pictures of different things. Sometimes you know I write down uh, awful things that have happened because it's like I get to that that becomes part of my story and. That that's a huge game changer. That and that will never change. Twenty five years from now, that is still going to be really, really. It's always been important to marketing. Absolutely. All right. I think uh, I think I got it. Let's move on to the next one. Okay. Uh, is it now? This one is specific to me, but again, when I'm designing products, uh, is it something? Is it something I practice? And this is important for me because it goes back to the concept we just talked about with storytelling. Um, my best stories come when I get to share. Uh, what it is that I'm doing. And uh, the reason that that's important for me is somewhere down the road as well, I want to do a, uh, I want to have a membership site with weekly content 
for people. And most of that stuff is going to be behind the scenes. And so it will be relatively easy for me to produce great content because I'm using all the stuff that I'm selling. These are all things. So I get to take them behind the scenes and show them what I'm doing and how I'm using it. So that's that's important. That's a, that's a relevant one for me. And it, it, it ties into some of the other things that I said with my learning and all those sorts of things. Cool. Number six, uh, does it provide timeless value? And this, I, I've hit on that a couple times too. The Dale Carnegie book is a great example again. And, and it's the, you know, will I be around in 25 years kind of thing. Um, but I try to find the timeless principle. So there are uh, concepts that come and go, tools that come and go, but, but, but what are the pillars? Like what are your three, four, five, six pillars that will never change? And, and, and it takes some thinking to figure out what those are. But if you build around that, then you've got something because most products like best-selling books, they're in and then they're gone. There are very few that stand the test of time. Uh, and I, I'm going to give you an example of my last point of a product. And I check this out every day. It's uh, it's been out for five years and I'll, I'll tell you a little bit more about it, but that's, that, that's, uh, that's how I think about that. Number seven, um, can it be extraordinarily profitable, right? So do I have the ability to uh, not just creating a single product, but do I have a brand here where I can, like, can I, you know, can I create an apparel line and, uh, you know, is there, are there, are there book opportunities, course opportunities, speaking opportunities, membership site opportunities? Could it, you know, could I get into film and television? Like, does it offer me that opportunity? So that's, um, that, I, that's the bigger picture thinking of, you know, I'm not just looking at when I did being primal, I just thought website. I didn't think about much of anything else like you know like where will this take me years from now so if i like looking back on that well you know what i didn't know what i didn't know so i can't say i would change it i didn't know i didn't know what i was doing but now i, I said i think about these things differently uh number eight does the brand have room to grow uh which kind of just tied into what i just talked about but again like like does it allow me as I grow and I learn, can my brand grow and learn as well too? Or have I painted myself into a corner where I have to keep, uh, like the, you mentioned earlier, one of the mistakes I made is uh, I started my podcast, the makeshift happen show. And then I started the lifestyle hacking show. That was a dumb idea. I should not have, um, divided again. I had no idea what I was doing. I just thought, ah, oh, everybody's got a second podcast. I'll start a second one. I divided my time. I ended up struggling with both. Uh, the Lifestyle Hacking Show only lasted, I think, about 12 episodes, but that impacted the Makeshift Happen Show because then that became really inconsistent. Uh, and and the major flaw there was they didn't connect. I didn't, I, the Makeshift Happen Show, I didn't even, one of my struggles with that show and why I eventually pulled the plug on it, I didn't know what the show was. It was supposed to be a health show uh, tying into the Being Primal thing. But again, like two different names, uh, People didn't know what makeshift happen was. They'd be like, oh, it's a clever name, but what is what is it exactly? Which is, again, bad marketing. Um, and I didn't know what it was supposed to be. And so it, it was always a struggle for me. I didn't renew what to talk about because I didn't do the heavy lifting at the beginning of like, what am I trying to build here? And like, where do I see myself going with this stuff? You're not going to be able to anticipate all that stuff. And, and you know, you you may have to, you know, you may have to completely. Um, are you familiar with Basecamp? Basecamp, it's uh, project management software. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, they just they were uh, initially were 37 signals Mm -hmm. and uh, they were 37 signals for 15 years. And two years ago, they decided that Basecamp was their best selling product that they were going to rebrand as Basecamp. So you can always change. You can always as as clarity evolves, you can always change. But um, but you want to have a vision of the future. You don't just want to be thinking about, you know, what can I do right now? And then you kind of just doing a bunch of stuff and you know, nobody knows exactly, you know, you're not that guy or that girl. You're not the online course guy. You're not the, you know, the exercise physiology girl or whatever. That was a bad example, but you know. Well, that's, that ties into one thing that Gary Keller mentions. And the one thing is he talks about, think about where you want to be in 30 years. What does that look like? And then let's, let's work our way backwards. And what is one thing you need to do right now that'll help you get there in 30 years? Yeah, and that's a great. It's a hard exercise for people to do, uh, but it's a great exercise to start thinking about. We we very seldom do that in any area of our lives where we think like, where do we, what do I want my relationship to look like thirty years from now, and then work backwards. What is that? You know, what do I need to be doing today? You know, to make sure you know that's happening. That's free, by the way. The relationship mm-hmm. stuff, which I should not be giving relationship advice. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, number nine. Um, do, okay, so this is uh, this is specific. It's it's does it does it change daily behavior? So for me, I want to again, if I want to create something that's timeless, and I want to create something that sells as well today as it does a decade from now, I want to focus on something that helps people change their daily behaviors. And this is not my idea. This is an idea I got from Hal Elrod, who wrote The Morning Miracle. Yeah, I've met him actually. You had him on your podcast. Yeah. And uh, that's how I got familiar with him. And then he came and did a small, very, very small conference in my hometown. And I I went, there was only like 30 people there. And so I got to meet him. Super cool guy. He's really, really nice guy. He's a very genuine man. Um, so his his book, The Morning Miracle. So so uh, let me just unpack Hal's story because this might help people with some ideas. How are we doing for time, by the way? There's no rules here. As long as you're good, I'm okay, good. Excellent. That's how I roll. Okay, that's perfect. Um, um, so um, Hal was, I think this was back in 2008, the crash. He was struggling with his business. He was a success coach, struggling immensely. Um and ends up, he's like, I, I, somebody mentioned something about you know having a morning routine, and he didn't have one, so he starts researching, and he essentially found out that successful people do one of six things, and he thought, well, what if I did all six? So he started doing that. He started doing. He had six things that he did each morning uh, for an hour or two hours, whatever it was, and he started in his planner. He would write down the miracle morning. No plans to sell this or anything else, but he. Uh, he started talking about it with some people that he was coaching and they really liked it and they started doing it and they started sharing it. And then so somebody approached him and said, Hey, listen, you want to do, this is early days of podcasting, but you want to just talk about what this is. And I was like, yeah, sure. So he talks about it. The guy gets 10 times the downloads he normally gets for that show. And Hal realizes he's got a product here. And then it takes him three years to write a book, three years, but he publishes it uh, 12, 12, 12. So, uh, uh, December 12th of 2012. And so the book is almost five years old. I check his book every single day, self-published. He makes, he sells anywhere from two and on really great days, two to $5,000 a day with that book. Wow. It is unbelievable. Now, again, those are estimates, but there's, um, uh, there's a, there's this really cool Kindle, um, app 
that approximates like if you type in where the book sits uh, or the Kindle edition sits, it tells you how many copies are sold today. So I always do the math and uh, his book continues to sell and, and it meets all these concepts. I always think about Hal's product and when, I, when I'm thinking about my own stuff is like, what is it? that he's done, like he stumbled on it. He wasn't consciously thinking about this stuff when he created it. But looking back, one of the things that he feels has made it really successful is that the book focuses on changing daily behavior, which means it's something that people do every day. And that may not seem like much, but most people and most books and courses require, maybe it's a one-off activity that you do, or like your course could be a daily thing, right? Because you know, it's, it's, you know, you're practicing every day. That's also something else that makes it really powerful. Like as for you as a, as a marketer and to think about ways of, you know, how, how you can use that idea to help market your course, but that's, it's huge, but most things are kind of one-offs or they're just philosophical concepts that people talk about. But People can't, um, uh, I mentioned the Dale Carnegie thing. One of the, I think, I believe the reasons that it still sells is you can read four or five of his ideas and I can actually try them today. Like I can go out and I can try them right now. Um, so there's tremendous power, power in that. So that's, that's, uh, that's what I'm always, th- I always go back to Hal's thing about this idea of like, am I creating something that will impact their daily behavior? Um, you familiar with the five minute journal? Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, which for those who don't know what it is, essentially it's a gratitude journal. Um, that's also four or five years old, continues to sell really well. And again, because they change a behavior daily, a daily behavior is where you focus on gratitude every single day. It's brilliant. You know, so that's, I, I'm always thinking, uh, that's what I'm thinking about too. When I'm creating stuff is, you know, I want to focus on like, what are daily behaviors that I could actually change? So are you suggesting that, um, daily behaviors, in your opinion, are extremely important, and therefore you want to make sure that whatever whatever you're offering to other people incorporates daily daily behaviors because you know how important they are. Well, it's important to me uh, because from a phil- philosophical standpoint, and I said just looking at my own, I've got a couple of other stories um, that I look at um, that I see that as being really important. Does it mean that everybody has to do that? No, but I do think that. Um, I do think that that helps. I think if you if you start thinking through, because the idea is, um, like I've had a lot of people buy my willpower course that never ever even started it, and um, it's not, you know, I mean, one of the things I didn't, I I wasn't focused on daily behaviors when I created that course, um, so that would be one of the things that I would, if I was to, I would redo that course. That would be one of the things was one of the mistakes that I made with my course was that there was a lot of big ideas, but they were just ideas where people would go, Oh yeah, that's really fascinating. But there was nothing for them that they could start doing right now, you know? And so it was, I I hit on all the big ideas, but I missed all the, all the opportunity to help them start creating change now so they could see results and they get excited and kind of grow from there. Philosophical ideas have a very short, uh, uh, they expire. Uh, Inspiration expires pretty quick. You know, like you go and listen to Tony Robbins, which I did one time in the nineties and uh, I wanted to run home. I was so, I was 50 kilometers away from my home, which is about 30 miles. 
Um, but then after about a week is like life was back to normal. Right. So with something like the miracle morning, I, every day I'm focusing on these six things I have to do and I'm always coming back to it. And if I'm doing it then I'm probably talking about it. And so, uh, you know, creates word of mouth. There's a lot of built in elements that come in with it too. I don't know if I answered your question, by the way. I don't know either, but it's yeah, good stuff I, either I, way. That's, that's one of my, I, I, I've told some of my close friends, I am great. You can ask me a question. And I am great at deflecting, and you don't even know that I have an answer. If I don't want to answer your question, you don't even know because I've taken you down this rabbit hole, and you go, "Oh yeah, okay, that sounds good." And it's like oh, he didn't even answer my question. I don't even know that guy's name. You have a lot of talents, Dean. I do. I have many. You know, the I read a book a few months ago on, and it was talking. I don't think the topic was daily rituals or anything like that, but it had a section on that, and it was it was. Um, it was debunking the fact that you couldn't people say, Oh, I just can't do something every single day. Um, you know, I can't go run a mile every single day. I can't go exercise every day. I can't write in a journal every day, like because Sundays are gonna happen and Christmas is gonna happen. Like I just can't do it every day. And he's like, Well, do you brush your teeth every day? Like exactly. do you do you eat food every day? Do you you know, breathe every day. Like there are things you're doing every day. They've just been so ingrained into you. You don't even think about it. And that's what he's suggesting is like, let's, if there's these things that you'd like to do every day, well, let's, let's make them as every bit of a ritual as brushing your teeth, you know? You know what? And that's, that's a great example of a timeless uh, principle, you know, and we, and we, we, we neglect that kind of stuff. Like it's not the example of brushing your teeth every day. I think, First of all, it's a great example, but I think the people stop short of it's not just about brushing your teeth every day. Why is it that you have to brush your teeth every day? Like for me, there's a uh, I, I, there's just a feeling in my mouth. I mean, aside from the fact that, again, you know, like kind of the fresher breath and stuff like that. Uh, but there's also a feeling there, too, that 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 causes me to brush. If I understand the principles at play then I stop saying, oh, I can't do something every day. It's like, of course you can. You just don't understand the principles that are at play to try and figure out a way to make it like brushing your teeth. So yeah, that's a great, that was a great, whoever, whoever that was, that's a great book. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was an interesting point. I hadn't thought of it like that before. Yeah, no, it's, uh, um, yeah, that's the kind of stuff actually that I'm, uh, with my, the stuff that I'm doing with behavior, that's the kind of stuff that I'm, uh, going to be talking about is bringing that kind. There's there's a there's a way to think about this stuff that we've never been taught. You know, we've never been taught how to change behavior. So it's a lot of that kind of stuff. But let me let me uh, finish and get to the last one. So the last one is, uh, can I make the competition irrelevant? And that is, have you read the book, The Blue Ocean Strategy? I've read it a long time ago. Yes. Yeah, and it just, I, I essentially the uh, uh, if you don't want to buy the book, the 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 book, it's a great. I really liked it. Uh, but essentially, it's this idea that. Um, again, most people create a product. It's a me too product. So now you're competing with all these other people and it's, it's all the same thing, right? Everybody's selling the same thing. Um, you know, the auto industry, right. Is, 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 is a perfect example of this, right? All the cars essentially are the same. And then Tesla comes along, right? They create this blue ocean because they've got electric cars and they're not just electric cars, but they're beautifully designed electric cars. And he's got, well, now everybody's scrambling to catch up to Tesla, but at the time, and, and still, they've still created this blue ocean for themselves. They have no competition right now. There's nobody else uh, at this point that's really competing with them. There, there will be more coming in. Um, 
whether or not they can actually take market space away from Tesla will be yet to be seen. But that's how most of us, again, we see something that's really popular and we we create, again, another Me Too product. But, you know, for me, again, it's like, how do I how do I create something that doesn't exist? I don't want to have any competition. I want to be either I create a category, a new category for myself. But Tim, Tim, again, I'm overusing Tim, but when Tim came out with the four hour work week, uh, one of the categories he created was lifestyle design that didn't exist at that point in time. And I think that that's one of the key principles of his book and why it continues to sell is again, lifestyle design that I could work less and have more control over my time. And so he created a category that didn't exist. That's how I think about things now. It's like, is there a way for me to create a category here that doesn't currently exist? Um, Cirque du Soleil is a good example. If you're familiar with Cirque du Soleil, uh, rather than they're essentially a combination of a circus and live theater, uh, you know, um, and, and maybe like a sort of with elements of like gymnastics and those sorts of things. But um, there's nobody else out there that does what they do, right? And they completely, circuses, they got rid of all the elements of a circus that were unprofitable, like the animals and uh, the venues and, and turned it into this art form where they, they created a new category by combining couple of other categories together. So that's the way I think about that stuff. That's the, uh, the, the gist of, of, you know, sort of where I'm at when I'm sort of thinking about a product is trying to see if I can address those questions. Not necessarily that they're all going to be addressed, but if I try to hit on each, if I can. Yeah. And they, I think they all kind of tie in together really well. Um, I think it's a really, a really nice list. You know, the last one, um, about making the competition ir- irrelevant ties in really well with, Will it attract remarkable and also be unignorable? Those all really go hand in hand. Yeah, a lot of them are all interconnected and, you know, some sort of similar versions of uh, of each other. But I, uh, yeah, I, I find just by having that, I'm thinking differently about everything. Like I said, it's not just like I've got product ideas that I want to, that I'm, that I'm a product line that I want to start developing. But I'm also thinking, I'm not just thinking about now, I'm also thinking about like, where does this, take me down the road. And like some of these things, I'm not saying I'll ever get into film or television, but when Tim had his talk show, I was just got, that just, just started in May, but I was like, that's interesting. Like I never, I, I never thought about my brand that way, but I thought with what I'm doing, yeah, that's a, there's, that's a possibility, you know, maybe getting into film production. Like that's a possibility too, with what I'm looking at. So that's one of my, like I'm, I'm, those are things I'm thinking about. Yeah, I think it's great. So let me just, uh, I've been taking notes here. So let me just recap these 10 things. And then I've got some, um, a few more questions for you, Dean, and then we'll wrap up. Does that sound good? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I, I tried for the hour, so we're good. We're good. <laughs> so number one was, does, does it have the ability for exponential growth? Two is, will it attract remarkable? Three is, be unignorable. Four is, focus on something that won't change over the next 25 years. Five is it something that I practice? Six, does it provide timeless value? Seven, can it be extraordinarily profitable? Eight, does the brand have room to grow? Nine, does it change daily behavior? And 10, can I make the competition irrelevant? How'd I do? You did great. By the way, um, I'm just looking at, is it something I practice, which uh, um, I don't find is sexy enough, but when you (laughs) talked about, when you talked about, 
storytelling. I think that that's exactly the reason that it, it has to be something I practice is because um, I want to be able to tell a remarkable story, right? And and my remarkable stories come from what I'm doing. So so I I I think when I'm going to update that one to does it does does it give me a remarkable story to tell? And and that's a result of the practicing that I'm doing. But that's a sexier way to to sort of phrase that because again that's a timeless storytelling is timeless that's a timeless concept so more people will connect with that than you know if i just say is it something i practice people may not necessarily understand what that means or the gist of that but yes you got them that was perfect good well that was it was really good stuff i appreciate you sharing that so let me uh let me move on to just a few more questions here dean absolutely um let's let's talk about tools because uh, you've, you've started several businesses, websites, you've started several things and, uh, the, the tools that people are recommending are always changing. You know, ClickFunnels is something that I use every day and it didn't exist a couple of years ago. And one of the first times we talked, maybe even the first time we talked, um, I was using a, t- a tool for my online course that I wasn't really happy with. And at the time you suggested to me, optimize press. And at the time it was a big lifesaver for me. It really helped me out. So today in 2017 in August, if somebody's starting out building a website, building an online brand, what tools do you suggest? And maybe what tools are you using today? Before I recommend a tool, cause again, there's lots of them out there, right? Um, uh, my, one of the things that I always struggled with was I wanted, I didn't want to have to be piecing different solutions together. That's a bad, that's a, that's a bad long-term strategy because it's always, things are always changing and updated. And then when one thing's updated, it breaks everything else. And like optimized press was kind of like that. Cause you couldn't, you know, you, you needed like other things to make that whole thing work, but it was the best solution at the, it was a good solution at the time. At the time. Right. So uh, one of the things that I always look at now is I want an all in one solution. I don't want to have to be, uh, I, I want an all in one solution. So, um, click funnels, I'm not, I'm currently not using click funnels, but I'm fascinated with click funnels. Uh, and, and, you know, talked about Russell earlier and the product suite that he's building out. I, I see that as such a, the, the, the thing that I like about click funnels that works really well for my personality is I have control over design. So I get to, you know, if I see a design I really like with ClickFunnels, I can design the exact same thing. Right. And I, that's powerful for me. And it just, it works for my personality. I don't like, cause again, I, if I, if I have to use set templates, then I'm ignorable because I'm doing what everybody else is doing. There's a whole bunch of other people that are using that same template. If I can create something unique, then again, I get to stand out. So ClickFunnels is great. The other one that I currently use um, is uh, Kajabi. And they're, um, uh, I really like the founders uh, who've created it. They continue, it, it's... <laughs> There are some advantages over ClickFunnels, uh, like the whole like video hosting is included in the, in the plans, which can be, you know, pretty pricey depending on where you're hosting videos. Um, again, so it's sort of an all-in-one. But then there's a couple again. It's sort of still template driven for the most part, but they but they continue to. There's always updates going on. They're doing some really cool stuff with it. So it's uh, uh, it, it's it's. Those are, I think, two of the best places to start. Now, they are a little pricier, but um, the, 
the reality is if you start piecing all that other stuff together, the costs are equivalent, really. Like, I mean, it's, you know, and it's, the learning curve is a little bit easier. I, again, but that's just, that's a personal bias, but I just want, I want one place. I was always frustrated with piecing stuff together with WordPress and then I have to get a landing page software and shopping cart software. And it's like, Oh my God, like, you know, yeah. So I'm I'm a big fan of ClickFunnels. I use it as much as possible. It's the closest thing that I see to an all-in-one solution. There's yeah. still a lot of other I would agree. other things, a lot of other things I have to use, but ClickFunnels is is definitely my go-to and and the one thing that I just can't live without. And there's three things that I use ClickFunnels for. It's landing page, software, it's it's the best page editor I've seen. Um, it's a shopping cart and it's a membership site. So for online course, it's got the membership site functionality uh, built right in. And the the landing page builder, the page builder is so good that I just went through a website redesign for Piano in 21 Days. I went through this excellent, excellent course on Udemy on um, web page optimization, the psychology of all that. And I rebuilt my entire website in ClickFunnels. And I just launched it yesterday. And I was just, I was building it in ClickFunnels so that I could just show my web guy what I wanted built. And it went so well that I was just like, I'm launching this like this. I I love it. Are you pulling it up right now? I am. I am actually. I love great design. And I think that's that's the great thing about ClickFunnels is that, oh yeah, that looks really nice. It's clean too. It's very, um, it's, I, I love clean design, you know, where you don't feel like you're overwhelmed. Right. Um, the, the great thing you, that you, you hit on something with ClickFunnels that you don't have to be like, you don't, you don't have to be a coder or anything else to, uh, to be able to, I mean, if you've never been online before, then there's a bit of a learning curve. But I mean, if you, if you like us, where you piece stuff together in the past, it is a brilliant software. Like it's what, what he's done and, and, and stuff that's coming, that's going to continue to add. The other thing I really like too, is that, um, Russell didn't just see a niche and, or a niche and, and, and fill it like, Oh, people want funnels and all oh, let's create a funnel thing, man. This guy is the funnel guy. Like he is, he, yeah. he is always, and again, he's always, it's just his own story. It's like, Hey, here's a funnel we created for this. And like he, everything he does, he's just selling his own stories because he uses his own product. So it's, there's so many amazing lessons just from his story, but yeah, it's, uh, it's phenomenal, actually. It's yeah, really. Good. And you, you you gave the you gave the address for it earlier. I think you got it wrong. Did I? Yeah, it's actually the online course slash clickfunnels. Oh, I, sorry about that. I uh, completely uh, I didn't realize that. that... <laughs> no, I'm just messing with you. That's my affiliate yeah, link yeah, that no, I pitch I sometimes. I if anybody wants to sign up through, uh, if they if they if they want to sign up through ClickFunnels and they heard about it on this podcast, then I'd appreciate them signing up through my link. Yeah, his his affiliate program too is it's and you can uh, can you set up affiliates for um, they've got an affiliate program too that you could you could set up your own affiliates for uh, for twenty one piano in twenty one days right if you wanted yeah. you wanted to yes exactly yeah. they have that built right into ClickFunnels um, I get people asking me every now and then hey do you have an affiliate program and I haven't actually made a sale of piano and nobody's made a sale of piano in twenty one days. Uh, for me yet, but I think that's going to be coming pretty soon. And, and I always say, yeah, I've got it. You know, I share 50%, you know, let me know. And I always ask them about what their audience is and how big it is and things like that. Um, have you, uh, have you done any uh, Facebook ads or anything like that? Oh yeah. Dean, I am spending $15,000 a month on ads. Wow. 
that's a whole other uh uh that'd be a whole other I, I I would have loved to have interviewed you for your show. That's wow, that's awesome. Yeah, and this is um you know, we've done we've done several episodes of this podcast and we you know, we take one topic at a time and me, Nate and I talk about it. So we've done we've done um episodes on, you know, online advertising and things like that. And if you would have told me a year ago I'd be spending $15,000 on ads, I would have thought you were nuts because a year ago I wasn't spending anything on ads. But a year ago, I was making $1,000 a month, you know, and now I'm making significantly more than that. And so I do um, AdWords, Facebook ads, Bing ads. Um, I've done advertisements in Pianist Magazine. Um, I'm always looking for advertising opportunities. I looked, you know, I mentioned earlier how my course just re- really resonated with Tim Ferriss's audience. And I was like, you know, what if I advertised on his podcast? Oh, do you know how much it costs to advertise on Tim Ferriss's podcast? I, I, I well, just listening now, I, I knew it would be a lot. I remember him. I have no idea. I know it's a lot though. One episode, $36,000. Wow. But you have to, you have to sign up for at least three episodes. You need at least a hundred thousand dollars to even be considered, but that's just to submit an application. We Mamacita. Wow. That's a pretty happy investment. And you know what's crazy is I bet that if I put that, if I did that, I bet I would get a positive ROI. But I, I, I mean, I'm just a one band business. Like I can't put up a hundred thousand dollars for that, you know? Wow. All right. Next, next question for you, Dean. Yeah. yeah okay. So I, I'm still thinking of 36 grand. Wow. That's awesome though that he could charge that, but that's, it is. Can you imagine every podcast he puts out? And that's just one ad. So, you know, yeah, but you know, Tim, Tim is a, Tim is a special person, you know, and that's, um, you know, when, yeah. when I, you look at the homepage of piano in 21 days, the first line says I help regular people, right? I'm trying to say, okay, if you want to be a concert pianist, if you were born with some incredible music ability, that's not who I'm trying to help. If you're just, um, if you work a normal job and you come home and you've got three kids and, um, you know, you're drink, you drink a beer and you're watching football, like you're a regular person and you just want to dabble at the piano, I'm going to help you. And I feel the same way about online courses. Like if you just have this incredible knack for online marketing and you've just been successful in everything you've touched, um, I'm not your guy. Like I want regular people and Tim Ferriss is not a regular person. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good point. And I think, uh, uh, that's, a, that's a nice way to position yourself because it's kind of like writing a book. There's a lot of people. If you said, do you want to write a book? They'd be like, oh, yeah, I'd love to write a book. But the number of people who say they want to write a book and the number of people who actually write a book are, uh, you know, like the numbers are staggering the people who don't do it. And I think for most people, it's, there's a whole, People are not addressing that. Like, how how do you get started with this? How do I, you know, there's a lot of things you can do for the regular folks that would really help sort of ease them through the, the friction that holds people back from getting started. So next question, Dean, um, specific to online courses, is I'd like to get your thoughts on pricing online courses and specifically, um, you know, giving courses away for free versus charging uh, charging a normal lower price for them, charging a premium price for them, and kind of a, a as a two part question, your thoughts on hosting your own online course versus putting it on something like Udemy. Oh, I like the second one. Uh, the first one, pricing. Uh, you know what? I always struggle with that. Uh, so I, I, I don't. I, I'm. I don't have great advice for that. I, I think that that's something you just constantly play around with. I will tell you my philosophy on free. I think free is a bad idea. 
Um, I think you should be charging money the moment that you publish your course. Um, because for the simple fact that, uh, so my course, um, is, is also hosted on Udemy and, uh, initial, so with Udemy, the way it works is you can see how many people are enrolled. So I gave it away for free just to get some numbers so that, uh, you know, people would see there were people in the course, the number of people who bought it for free. Well, just think about, think about your own behavior. Like when you download a free, whatever, a free ebook, or do you read it? No, we never, we never read that. We don't, we don't respect free. So I, I, I think it's a bad idea. Um, there's a, what's the line you, um, oh shoot, I forgot. There's a great line with that, but it's, um, uh, oh, when you pay, you pay attention. And I, 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 I think that that's, it's, it's invaluable advice. I think that people should be, should start right from, I believe they should start right from the beginning. Uh, Jason Fried, who I mentioned earlier, uh, that was one of their, he believes one of the, the, the principal reasons is they were successful right from the get go. Uh, when they built their software is they didn't go the freemium model. They had people paying right away, like make it a business right away. Don't try and, you know, monetize it down the road. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're selling something, start selling it. You can always, and, and the only other thing I would say with price is I think it's easier to go up than it is to price it too high and then have to come down. Yeah. I find you, I find just in general, you get a higher quality student, the more money they pay. Yeah. And so by far my, my, the most refund requests I get by far is for my lowest in package. And it's usually the people that signed up for my payment plan as opposed to the one-time payment. So it's always, it's almost always the people that have only ever paid me like $19. I don't think I've ever had a refund request that somebody paid me, you know, $500. And that's a fascinating, I said, there's, there's a lot of psychology at play with that. Um, James uh, Altucher, he wrote a book called Choose Yourself, yep. and he had this, uh, he was selling it for 99 cents on Amazon, but he had this promise that if you didn't like the book, he'd give you a refund. And people asked for a refund. I was like, you're kidding me. People asked for a 99 cent refund. It's like, wow. So yeah, there is there is something with, uh, with that, there's a certain type of person that is you know that you you attract with these lower prices and and they also become the most yeah the most problematic uh in terms of uh hosting yourself or hosting on another platform um i think people should host it themselves i i think now i host my course in udemy i can also have it on my own platform as well so you're not limited but um the problem with udemy is it doesn't matter what my course is priced at it only sells when they discount the course. Udemy has set, they've created this monster that they didn't anticipate, but everybody you know, has their courses at whatever prices, but every month Udemy runs sales where they sell. Uh, now we, we can opt out of that if we want, but you won't sell any of your course if, you, if, you, if you're not in on it. But uh, essentially 10 or 15 bucks uh, sales, you buy a course at whatever it's priced that you can buy for at 10 or $15, somewhere in between there. Um, that's the only time the course sells. So if you like for you to put your piano course on there would horribly devalue, uh, your course because people wouldn't be paying, you know, 300 or $500 for it. They'd be paying $10 for it. And because the investment is so little, 
again, it's it's another one of those ones where it's amazing how many people buy the course. And I know the mentality. People buy courses because they're on sale, so they buy a bunch of them. And they think, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get to this. And the moment you say I'm gonna get to this, you never get to it. So, um, and there's a lot of things I don't control on Udemy. I, uh, I can't, you know, I can't get an email address from people. I, uh, I've had my wrist slapped a couple times for things that you're not supposed to do. It's just there's too many rules that I, I personally don't like. But if you don't. You know, if you're not comfortable, it's it's inexpensive. You don't have to pay anything to host it on there. So if money is an issue for people, might be a place to start. But also Udemy now is so crowded that uh, it's tough for your your course to to get recognized. And I also couldn't justify the fact of um, driving traffic to Udemy. If I'm gonna if I'm gonna spend money or time to drive traffic, then why not drive them to my own site where I get to do all the things I want to do? So I think it's better for people to host. Yeah. And then do what you're doing where you learn how to, you know, you start off with paid advertising, even as little as five or ten dollars a day or whatever, and just uh, you know, learn how to, you know, learn how to do your own marketing for your course. And yeah, absolutely. People ask me that question and I, you know, I give some of the same reasons that you gave. Absolutely. And just as a consumer, I'm a big fan of Udemy um, from the student side, right? There's a, there are a lot of good courses inside of Udemy. Yeah. And anytime I find a course that I want to take, I just Google Udemy coupon code and there's always one I can plug in and get whatever course for $10. And so I mentioned when I redid my website, I took a really great uh, you know, web page optimization course, it costs like $200, but I bought it for $10. I took a, a phenomenal Google AdWords course on Udemy. It was 20 hours long, just the highest of quality, a two or $300 course, $10. And on. Yeah. And, and so, you know, it, it is what it is and you have to weigh the pros and cons. There are pros of being in Udemy as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's, um, yeah, when when there was less competition, they did a lot of you know they did a lot of the marketing for you, right? So they spent a lot of money, and um, so yeah, there's there's pros and cons to everything. I again, my personality, I I like to I like to pull my own strings. Okay, that didn't sound right, but you know, <laughs> you know what I mean. You know, I like I like to be in control. Yeah, I I do as well. So uh, last question here for you, Dean. I really appreciate. Uh, your time and it's been fun catching up with you, but what, what are you working on these days and where can people find your stuff online as you take a giant sip of whatever you're drinking? Yeah, yeah that was it. That was uh, the timing is good. Cause I, I just, it just ended or I've just finished that. Um, yeah. So I, I, I alluded earlier. Um, so my thing that I'm going to be, uh, that I'm fascinated with, with myself was just learning how to change my own behaviors that, uh, it was something that I realized that I'm really good at changing something short term, but that changes never, never stick. And so I, I've, I've really kind of done a deep dive into behavior change and how to, you know, how, how to make that more effective. And so I've got a whole series of products that I'm going to create. Um, I don't have uh, I don't have a site up for it yet, actually. So at this point in time. Uh, probably the best place for people to go would just be deanedwire.com, which uh, which. I'm going to switch my other site back to, but, uh, but it'll have a different, um, the other, the other challenge that I, I always, and I don't have an answer for this, but do, is my website deanedwire.com or do I come up with a name that's brandable? I just, I don't feel like deanedwire isn't, isn't brandable. Like it doesn't lend itself well to 
other things that I want to do. So I said, I, I've got a name. I can, I can forward you the name once I have it, but um, I should have it in the next couple of days. Is it the guy that interviewed Tim Ferriss.com? <laughs> no, but I did. I actually was playing around with, uh, with something that ends in guy. Actually, that's one okay. of the, uh, okay. yeah, I said, I, I think that that's, that's actually a, a, a remarkable branding strategy because you get to be, you get to be known as the guy or the gal in a particular space. I think that's really effective, a really effective strategy. Awesome. I apologize. That was all really vague and uh, sort of secretive, but I, I just, I haven't quite finalized it yet. So I don't actually have anything to, uh, to point people to, but it's all going to be around behavior change. Good stuff. Well, maybe we can, uh, we can visit again when, when you've got more stuff available. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think, uh, or even just, uh, yeah, I can share some results and stuff that I've done too that uh, your audience might find really helpful. Well, it's been a, been a pleasure as always, Dean. Thanks for taking the time. No, this was awesome, man. This was great. We'll catch up later. And that's a wrap for episode 14. Thanks for sticking around for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. A couple of links I want to mention. We talked a, a good bit about ClickFunnels. So if you are interested in signing up for a 14-day trial of ClickFunnels and checking out all the great things that it has to offer, I'd appreciate if you use my affiliate link, theonlinecourseguide.com slash ClickFunnels. And then, of course, if you are just at the beginning of this journey and you want a little help with starting your own online course, I have a quick start guide waiting for you, the eight steps to turning your hobby or passion into an online course. Uh, you can grab your copy of that at theonlinecourseguide.com. And that's going to do it for this week's episode, and we will talk next week. <music>